Today on this special edition of This Week in Iowa, we take a look at the biggest stories of 2021, from voting laws to the pandemic and redistricting in our state, then a look ahead to 2022, how the election year is shaping up and what our junior senator says are the biggest issues facing our country. Ahead on This Week in Iowa, hi everyone, and thanks so much for being with us on this special edition, this holiday edition. I'm Sabrina Ahmed. So this holiday weekend, we're taking a look back at 2021 and then a look ahead at 2022. So let's start with the three big biggest stories to make headlines this year. The first is redistricting. It happened across the country uh, after the 2020 census, and we'll show you the impact redistricting will have on our state and talk about whether Iowa has the gold standard. Then we'll move on to talk about voting law changes, what was signed into law, what the implications of the law are, and then finally we'll go back and forth on that local control versus federal control on mandates for vaccines and masking as we try to move past the pandemic. But let's start with redistricting in our state. I'm gonna to move to the other side so you can see this full map because it took the Iowa legislature two special sessions to approve the redistricting map after the legislative services, services agency created them. This is the congressional map compared to the first draft of Iowa's fourth congressional district is shrinking in geographical size. And then the first, which is now down here instead of up here, is growing in size. Story County is back in the fourth district. So Congresswoman Marionette Miller Meeks, who currently serves in what is now the second district down here, uh, she is getting moved. She lives in Wapolo County and she's getting placed into the third district, which pits her against Congresswoman Cindy Axney. Now, Representative Axney Ashley Henson currently is the first district, but that's up here. Technically, because of the renumbering, she moves to District 2. She does plan to run for re-election in that district. So that leaves this district down here, one, as an open seat. Marionette Miller Meeks has said that she is going to run in that first district, which is open now. Basically, you guys, this is just musical chairs for the congressional members. Senate Republicans pointed to compactness and population deviation as issues they saw with the first round, which is why they asked the LSA to come up with this second round. They approved that map, as I said, in that second special session. It wasn't just redistricting that was brought up in the special session, though, and we'll get to more on that in just a few minutes. But first, Let's talk about big story number two of 2021, which is changes to Iowa's voting laws. We have three big takeaways. Early voting is scaled down to 20 days. It was previously 29 days. Polling places close at 8 p.m. for all elections, which is a change from the 9 p.m. close for general and primary elections. Absentee ballot requests for voting by mail must be received by 15 days before the election. Also, the only person who can return a voted absentee ballot other than you, the voter, are an immediate family member, someone living in the voter's household, a caretaker or precinct official who delivers the ballot to residents at healthcare facilities. In some cases, a delivery agent may be approved for voters with disabilities. Auditors also will no longer perform mass mailings of ballot requests. So if you want to have one, you have to ask for it. An employee is entitled to take off work from uh, take off from work in order to vote, but they're only allowed two hours. That's down from the previous three hours. Absentee ballots must be received by the county auditor by 8 p.m. on Election Day. This is a change because previously, if ballots were postmarked by Election Day and received by the Monday following the election, then they would still count. 
I was not alone in adding these new voting restrictions or voting changes after the 2020 election. Many other state legislators moved quickly to put up tighter voting laws this year. It's a push that came mainly from Republicans who said the effort was to prevent widespread voter fraud. Here in Iowa, the Secretary of State, Paul Pate, says the state system against voter fraud is one of the best in the country. Okay, let's move on now to number three. The big story of 2021 is that back and forth of local versus federal control for masking and vaccines. It's been an ongoing battle of who should decide. Here in Iowa, we've seen it play out in schools and businesses. The legislature first got involved when they passed a law saying schools had to offer in-person learning. Then schools began requiring masks and the legislature got involved again. With days left in the school year, the legislature put a ban on mask mandates. But then in September, when this new school year started, a federal judge put a stay on that law, saying schools could decide whether they wanted to require masks. That issue played out in the school board elections this November, as you can recall. The governor continues to fight the lawsuit against the mask mandates. So then there are vaccines. The federal government has put a number of requirements out there for vaccines from healthcare workers to federal employees, then requiring vaccinations for any business that has more than 100 employees or requiring testing. But many states, including Iowa, filed lawsuits against the federal government saying they cannot require employees mandate these vaccines. Employers do that. So OSHA has since said that they're not going to enforce that vaccine mandate rule until they see how it plays out in the court. So that's a story we'll continue to follow. Now that federal employee vaccine mandate does still exist. Now I mentioned earlier that the special session for redistricting took up another issue as well. That's the law signed by Governor Reynolds giving Iowa's more space to claim medical and religious exemptions from employer COVID-19 vaccination mandates and guarantees employees unemployment benefits if a business fires them for not complying with that vaccine mandate. The bill immediately drew criticism from both business representatives and from opponents of vaccine mandates. But lawmakers said it was their way to legally give employees more opportunity to choose whether they wanted to get vaccinated. That was a whole lot, and we still have a whole lot more ahead here on This Week in Iowa. ABC News political director Rick Klein has a look ahead to 2022, what he says we should keep an eye out for in the federal races. That is straight ahead. You're watching This Week in Iowa. As we look ahead to 2022, we want to look at some of the races that will be happening in the 2022 midterm election. So let's start by talking about congressional races. I'd like to bring in ABC News political director Rick Klein, who, of course, is always keeping an eye on Iowa. Rick, thank you so much for being with us as we do look ahead to what 2022 is going to look like. Let's start with districts one, two and three, because some things are changing because of redistricting. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how you think redistricting will have some political implications in this next election. Yeah, Sabrina, it's interesting because Iowa is one of the few states that might actually have a map that's more competitive uh, as a result of the redistricting process. There's been a trend across the country to, to make some districts redder, other districts bluer, but I, I'm looking at a map in Iowa that actually has a little more competition than we've seen in the past. And I think okay. uh, given Given how closely divided Congress is, there's going to be a lot of attention on all of this. So let's start with District 1 because Marionette Miller-Meeks currently represents District 2. With this new redistricting process, she was moved into Cindy Axney's district. So she's going to go up to District 1 where Ashley Hinson's now moving into District 2. There are so many moving parts, but 
What we need to know is there's no one who's an incumbent in District 1, and now Miller Meeks is going to run there. Do you see that being a competitive race, which of course is a district that Abby Finkenauer used to represent? Yeah, it's a game of musical chairs throughout the Iowa congressional delegation. <laughs> and I think what's what you'll see happen, I think, is is uh, some of the some of the members have to introduce themselves to different parts of the state. You know, I think there's a general understanding on who the delegation is, but there's something different about having a member of Congress who is there in your living room, someone that you're familiar with uh, for for some time. And I think that's going to be the challenge for someone that moves districts is if you want if you want to run you have to introduce yourself to to different types of voters and against a very different kind of backdrop it would not surprise me if we haven't heard the last of the potential primary challenges for that reason uh, it's very easy to make a case against someone who comes from another part of the state that they're carpetbagging uh, that they don't they don't really live there uh, that they're brand new to the to, to the idea and they just want to be in congress so i think that argument's going to have to play out and i think the national landscape um, is is the important backdrop for all of it because you know democrats are in a spot where they're going to be uh, very hard pressed to hold on to their majority they certainly don't want to seed ground anywhere uh, and they're going to be looking to protect incumbents even if those incumbents sometimes have to move to other parts of the state what do you think it says about miller meeks though if she would have slid into axney's district but then decided not to run against the incumbent well i think i think i think people are cognizant miller meeks i think is cognizant of uh, what the chat what a challenge looks like and knowing that the district looks differently these districts last for 10 years i think people are generally understanding that those that these sort of things change i think though there's there's a, been a lot of iowa strategists that have been careful in trying to choreograph this because one thing that neither party wants to do is to have needless clashes and i think the fact that you've got an opening in one district uh, that's combined with the fact that the map is being remade and the state looks different uh, that just opens up other opportunities so my sense is that in iowa you essentially have and it's not just musical chairs, but kind of an etch a sketch that you're shaking, and and now you're you're starting over with who is best re best suited to run in different parts of the state, trying to stop uh, as much intra-party warfare as possible. In District Three, which of course has Des Moines in it, the biggest city in the state, do you think Cindy Axney can feel confident in running and winning a re-election? I don't think I don't think anyone can feel confident running a, a re-election in any competitive seat this year. To be to be frank, I think um, I think having the base in Des Moines helps um, and and gives you pockets of, of voters that are pretty obvious and on your side. But uh, it's going to be a challenge, and I think Democrats are running scared across across the board. Um, and, and I know that the, the national level, both parties are gunning for incumbents. There's there's nothing that says. Um, that you've arrived, like the ability to knock off an incumbent. So I think this is going to be a very, very difficult, difficult year for incumbents across the board. Uh, and and some, in some cases, it's not even the, the, a change in the district so much as just the change in, in the national sentiment that, you know, have this disconnect right now where the economy is done pretty well, but people aren't feeling it. People are very much anxious about the year ahead. We are continuing our conversation now with Rick Klein, who is the ABC News political director. Rick, thank you so much for continuing to stay with us this morning. Let's switch gears and talk about the Senate race because Chuck Grassley is the incumbent. And uh, now with the retirement of Senator Leahy, he's going to be, if he wins re-election, the longest serving U.S. Senator ever. It's remarkable. Uh, and I know a lot of people that thought maybe Senator Grassley was going to 
hand it off to his grandson or there, there would be an opportunity for an open seat. But, you know, I've seen him walking around the Capitol. He's still got it. He's got that bounce in his step and he has thrown in his lot with President Trump. I think it was remarkable to see him um, as he announced his reelection. Um, just say, look, you know, I'm not going to go up against the guy that's got like a 90 percent approval rating in the Republican Party. I've been around too long for that. So a lot of people, I think, nationally were thinking, well, Senator Grassley, if he does run, he'll have an opportunity to separate himself from Trump. That's not what he's doing. And um, for his for his calculation, at least, it looks like the, the smartest play. And you're right about the seniority. And he's got the opportunity if Republicans take over the Senate, uh, he'd be the president pro tem of the Senate, which is a, a ceremonial position. But it also puts puts you in in the driver's seat for a whole range of, uh, of different potential committee assignments, uh, setting the agenda. He is um, certainly one of the elder statesmen of, uh, of politics. And if he's successful, he'll just be building on that. So let's talk about his potential to be successful. Then we know Abby Finkenauer and Mike Franken are running against him, uh, but they are running against each other first in that Democratic primary. We have the career politician versus the career army men. Um, talk to me about how those two kind of uh, square against each other in the primary. Yeah, it's an age-old debate that political strategists have. Do you want someone with experience, proven vote-getting ability, or do you want someone with um, the outsider's resume that can bring a different kind of experience? And, and having, having uh, any kind of experience in the military adds to that. Uh, this is the kind of year that I think, generally speaking, being incumbent doesn't give you the kind of advantages you might think. You start with a leg up when it comes to fundraising, when it comes to name recognition, uh, when it comes to uh, an activist base. But for other voters who are tuning in and maybe aren't living and breathing politics all the time, there aren't a lot of people that love Congress right now. And running as a congresswoman, um, even if you're looking for a different job, is not necessarily the best way to do it in a year like this. So I think it's going to be a very competitive primary. And of course, the stakes are huge because um, Republicans are, are looking to build on um, the seats that they have. Any place that the Democrats can put them on defense uh, would be a huge boon to their efforts to hold on to their control, a 50-50 Senate. And if they're able to put Iowa on the national map and to make it competitive against Chuck Grassley, it takes resources away from other states and it, it just it changes some of the calculus about the roads in the majority. Obviously, it's a long time before we see that primary. We have months ahead of us. But who do you think would be a better matchup against Grassley? I'm going to put you on the spot. I think, I, yeah, I, I think it is, it, it really depends on where you see the vulnerabilities. And I think having a female candidate um, is, is, is certainly a compelling thing. We saw Joni Ernst on the, uh, in the other Senate seat ride that to become Iowa's first female senator. Uh, and I think that that's an that's an opportunity there. I think though the outsider, uh, I wouldn't underestimate the ability of an outsider to, to appeal uh, to voters. And uh, you know Iowa voters, Sabrina. I, I get to know a bunch, uh, especially every four years for some reason. And people are people are dialed in, and they understand what people stand for, and they really want to get to know the the individuals. And I think there's a chance here for uh, for a flipping of conventional wisdom. Because I think most people would say, all things being equal, you'd rather have someone that's gotten votes before, that's run for office before. And I just think a year like this, you might want might want to have someone who kind of scrambles uh, the equations for you. And the same way that Joni Ernst upset a lot of people in Iowa and winning that primary and then ultimately becoming uh, the state's junior, junior senator, you could see something play out on the Democratic side that's that's almost the almost the exact same. Fascinating. Okay, real quick, let's just talk about the national landscape and how that might impact this race, too. I mean, you touched on it a little bit, but when we saw, you know, Virginia elect a Republican governor, yeah. I mean, that was shocking. No doubt. I mean, look, the, Iowa is, um, is probably about is red, a little less red maybe these days than Virginia is blue. And the fact that you could flip uh, that quickly in, in the space of a year, a state where uh, 
where, where President Biden um, won by 10 points. Um, anyone who is in, a, in a, a district or a state that has a margin tighter than that has to be a little bit worried about these, about the winds of change. Now, I think every race is about individual candidates and about individual issues there. But I think the issues that, that played out there around education and schools and um, in, individual power frustration over the Biden agenda, that's going to play out everywhere. And I think that um, as we look to see how Iowa plays in the national landscape, uh, a lot of it is going to be about that kind of grassroots connection, who makes that connection to voters and is talking about the issues as people live their lives. Rick Klein, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And you know that we'll continue to talk to you as we get closer to the primaries and then the election. Thank you, Sabrina. It's been great being with you. Senator Joni Ernst wants to take a more global approach to her time in office. I sat down with her to discuss the biggest issues facing Iowans. Senator Joni Ernst, thank you so much for being with us as we try to look ahead to 2022. I want to start um, by talking about what you think are the biggest issues facing Americans for the next year. Right. There are a number of issues that will be coming up in the new year, um, but priorities for me will be working more on a global scale as well. We saw with the uh, withdrawal of Afghanistan in August, um, the haphazard way that, that we pulled out of there, we really upset a lot of our allies. And repairing some of those friendships around the globe will be extremely important for trade, for our own economy. Um, so we'll work on that. But then also pushing back on nefarious actors like Iran, like Russia, like China. I think uh, we're at a pivotal moment in our United States history. And these actors, as they see a weakened administration, one that pulled out of Afghanistan and left allies hanging, American citizens in the lurch, they think we are weak and they will prey upon our nation and those that are weaker than them. So we really do need to focus our defenses on protecting the United States and then figuring out what's our path forward in a post-Afghanistan era. Um, but then as well, bringing it to home focusing on what are the needs of Iowans and uh, primarily our farmers as we look at biofuels. Um, this is an area where the administration has not been strong. And so we'll have to continue working, whether it's with the EPA or the USDA, and really pushing the Biden administration to make sure that we still have a space in the biofuels area. Do you think cybersecurity is the biggest issue facing the globe in 2022? I think it is a huge issue and one that I've even talked to Iowa businesses about. Um, I had a large Iowa employer that came to me and said that they have experienced a number of those um, cyber hacks. We've seen businesses that have had ransomware used against them. Millions and millions of dollars in ransom paid out to these bad actors. We have got to get our arms wrapped around that, not only for the private sector, but also to protect, again, our nation, whether it's our electric grid, other utilities, banking systems, you name it, it is an issue and one that we have yet to solve. What would you say is your biggest goal personally for 2022? 
I think coming up in 2022, we see a lot of exciting elections. Um, my dear friend, Senator Chuck Grassley is up for election. And so I do really want to focus on making sure that the Senate flips um, so that we have the majority as Republicans again and as well. Love to see that in the House. I think we need to balance out our federal government right now. Um, we need to move smartly. We need to recover the economy. And that's what I really want to focus on, making sure that we have the ability to do that. That was going to be my next question. Do you think the um, kind of red wave that we saw on a national scale in these most recent elections, uh, do you think that that's a precursor to what's going to happen next year? I do think that what we saw in the November elections um, with the New Jersey race being so tight, with the flipping of Virginia to a Republican governor, something we didn't expect, seeing that, I think it is a telltale sign that Americans are tired of the failures and the crises in this administration, and they wanna bring back some common sense governance we can do that in 2022. For Americans who are tired, they are tired of the fighting, they are tired of the pandemic, they are tired of not working, they're tired of high prices. What is your message to them? My message to them is to engage with your government, um, engage with us. One way to do that is just expressing your thoughts, desires, ideas to your elected members of Congress. And if you're not happy with what they're doing, then certainly participate in our elections process. It's important to get out there and represent. Um, so I think we're at a very, very pivotal time right now, but please be engaged. And then as well, we want to be representative of our constituents. So sharing those ideas, those thoughts with me is really important. I know it is for Senator Grassley as well. But we want to bring common sense to Washington, D.C. Iowans have a lot of common sense. So if, if we could just move in the right direction, start communicating, you know, talking rather than yelling, I think we'll get a lot farther. Senator Ernst, thank you for your time. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of your holiday weekend. Thanks so much for being with us for this weekend.